This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Remember to check out the Kelly and Company podcast. Subscribe using your favorite podcatcher. You can listen to the show in segment form. You can listen to the complete Kelly and Company podcast experience. Lots of great content to add it on to the vanity cards from this week. So if you're doing a little bit of uh, podcast listing, you might want to go check out those full shows and see what we had for you when it comes to the vanity cards through the week. But also, ladies and gentlemen, take the show in at your own way. Maybe it is a favorite contributor. You just want to go listen to their segment. You can do that via the Kelly and Company podcast feed. Ramya Muthan, Kelly McDonald. We are the hosts. And on Fridays, we do a segment called Cut for Time. Uh, Ramya, we started this segment because we got into the the area of, oh, I'd like to add this or I'd like to say that. But our guests were on a topic, were on the move, chatting, and we knew you can't disrupt them. So we, we developed this segment. So we got a bit of time to go back and um, give you a little clip of from a segment and take a listen. And we comment today for the first time, we're going to have the conversation that was to be. That never was. Yesterday we had some technical difficulties on the program and uh, Brock and Danielle were not able to get into a conversation they they wanted to get into, a conversation that really is ongoing, has other ramifications as we will talk about in just a moment, uh, that that continues today. This is uh, something they really felt strongly about, wanted to talk about because implications really are are province uh, country-wide. About 55,000 members of the Canadian Union of Public Employees, QP, began strike action today, with 1,000 more education workers walking off in solidarity after failing to reach an agreement with union negotiators, the Ontario government passed Bill 28 last night and used Section 33 of the Charter of Rights and Freedoms to impose a four-year contract on workers. Ontario is now seeking to have the walkout declared illegal by the Ontario Labour Relations Board and actions by union leaders declared unlawful. Danielle, welcome back. Thank you again for covering off uh, on the show with Brock yesterday. We've got a lot of heat as we usually get to with you on Mondays in Know Your Rights. But today, something to talk about that is awful enough. Students at a school, people not being 55,000 members who feel so unjustly treated. And the use of methods of which make all of us stop and say, well, hold on, what happened to our rights here? So can we start with what is the notwithstanding clause and what is the issue about using it? Well, thank you so much for uh, having me back because I have to say I I think both Brock and I were a little disappointed when we didn't have an opportunity to get to this issue since it's such a hot topic uh, at the moment. The notwithstanding clause, and I want you to know that there is masses of disagreement about its use and whether it should even exist. Um, You may remember my guest on Monday, Noah Mendelssohn-Aviv, who is the executive director and general counsel for the Canadian Civil Liberties Association. She wrote a uh, an opinion piece in a Toronto newspaper saying it's time to get rid of the notwithstanding clause. And she and I had quite an argument about it this morning. So let me get down to basics. 
1982, when the uh, Constitution was to be repatriated to Canada, there was a lot of discussion about what is a democracy. Now, most people believe that a democracy is a form of government in which people get to make the choices and that the people who make those choices are elected by the citizenry, by the populace. Well, you might have noticed that there's one group of decision makers who are not elected in this country, and that would be the judges. Judges are uh, appointed, particularly with reference to the Supreme Court justices, um, and they are not elected by the people. So some people said, if we set up a constitution whereby the last kick at the can, the justices of the Supreme Court can uh, strike down a piece of legislation saying that's not constitutional, then that takes away from democracy because it's the elected people have said, you know, this is the kind of law we want. And the Supreme Court says, well, that doesn't comport with the Constitution. You can't do it. Goodbye. What they put in place in order to get to an agreement was the notwithstanding clause, which basically says notwithstanding the charter, notwithstanding the Constitution, we, the province or the federal government, are going to go ahead and pass this legislation nonetheless. We're going to say, yeah, I get that you have freedom of religion uh, in Quebec, and I'm just going to give you this example, Um, but we're passing Bill 21 that says you do not get to wear any um, outward signs of your religion if you are a public employee, even though you may say it contravenes your freedom of religion and your freedom of expression, notwithstanding, there's that word, this, we're going to do it anyway. Well, the Ontario government has only used it once before, but they've threatened to use it repeatedly in the last four years. But what they did yesterday is they said, notwithstanding uh, labor unions' right to negotiate a solution to uh, a labor standoff, we are going to override that right. You are going to override your freedom of association, which is a charter right. We're going to use Section 33, which is the notwithstanding clause, and we're going to pass a law, which is now called Bill 28, um, and it's going to say, we don't care about those rights. We are going to legislate you back to work, which means you can't strike. Now, normally, if the notwithstanding clause uh, when it was being considered, when people, you know, when, when the people who, who formulated the Constitution and the Charter uh, put this together, they envisioned a situation where everything would go all the way up to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court would make a decision, and then it would go back to the province or to the federal government, where they would then um, invoke a notwithstanding clause to to do something that the court had told them they can't do. The Ontario government has used it preemptively. The the labor union, CUPE, hasn't even had a chance to strike. They were told, if you say that you, that, uh, that if we are unable to come to a solution that everybody likes, that you are going to strike, we're gonna invoke the notwithstanding clause and order you back to work. Well, what the union has said is too bad for you, 
Um, you may say that you can order us back to work. We've given you something like 150 days notice that this was coming, that we, we had to renegotiate our contract. You had plenty of time to do this. This is your, you know, sort of last chance, um, you know, to, to uh, really negotiate with us. We've been asking you to do it for a long time. And the government says, nah, off you go. Um, you are now in a situation of an illegal strike. Well, today, thousands of people, not just members of CUPE, there are 55,000 members of CUPE in Ontario. I mean, there, there are lots of people who are education workers. This does not mm -hmm. include the teachers, by the way. It includes, as they say, the people who keep our schools safe. Mm -hmm. Now, just a just a, a running example of this. You may not know that many of uh, the schools in Ontario are old. In fact, they're so old that the water, to the drinking water, <laughs> may not be safe no. unless it's flushed for a period of time in er, er, every morning. So that when this, by the time the students come in, if they want to drink from a, a water fountain, uh, they don't have to worry about lead, shall yeah, we say, lead, or uh, other contaminants. Yeah. Well, if you don't have those workers there, if you don't have the janitorial staff, if you don't have the people who work with uh, the children with disabilities, for example, or the CYCs, the, ch the child youth workers, everybody is unsafe. Um, you know, the garbage isn't being taken out. The washrooms are not being um, looked after. So it's a really difficult situation. Teachers are saying, we can't teach in an unsafe school. Um, most of the parents who I have heard speak have said, we can't send our children to school in an unsafe school. So guess what? Kids are home yet again. Um, the government has chosen to enact this because they, their idea is that children should not be out of school, that, you know, we've had enough difficulty with children's education since um, the pandemic, and it's true, I mean, they were out of school for an enormously long time, Ontario more than any other province, by the way. Um, and their solution to that is to use a cannon where a fly swatter might have done the trick. So, you know, these rights, the right, the freedom of uh, association, the right to, to freely assemble, those are rights with a purpose as are all of our other rights. So, you know, you, you the, the whole point of being able to get together is that you get together to do something. And right. one of the things you get together to do, if you're a member of a union or an association, is negotiate with your employer. Mm -hmm. um, and, that's, and that has been actually supported by the Supreme Court. So there have been a number of cases where um, provinces have legislated uh, workers back to work. It's, you know, uh, government workers, this is, this is, it doesn't apply to um, private, private workers uh, or in, in private employment. Um, and then this, the, the uh, union has taken the case to court and the courts have overruled the legislation. They, in many cases, they have said, sorry, uh, province, you cannot override a right to uh, to uh, association or a right to negotiate, and they've read this in as a fundamental right the 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 right to to collective bargaining. Well, <laughs> here we are today, um, mm -hmm. and they have overridden this right in Ontario. 
Uh, and in my personal opinion, it's very short-sighted because the people who they are um, trying to control are amongst the lowest paid employees. They are people who are in many cases not even um, able to afford to work in the jobs that they are working in. They have to take you know, secondary or tertiary uh, employment in order just to put the groceries on the table and pay the rent. So when you see that the government in the last little while has um, given the, uh, the the members of parliament a sixteen thousand uh, dollar um, a year increase, and yet these people are living below the poverty line, you have to ask, well, you know, where are your priorities, and what do you think is going to happen when we already have too few people working in education we know that like it's like nursing and and many other sectors where people are being worked to the bone mm -hmm. and they're being paid very poorly people leave that kind of employment that's right you know they, Danielle, they say yes. i have to ask because i'm, I'm more of an opinion here good if we had not had the pandemic would this be happening today good question i don't know that you know it's always hard to to, no, we're guessing. I, I to feel, guess at the what no, ifs, right, wouldn't. right, Kelly. But I, I, I think probably not. I think that that um, Stephen Lecce, the Minister uh, of Education in Ontario, wants to be seen as the person who who got kids back to school after uh, a period of time. Now, you know, people are saying, "Oh, well, this is after the pandemic." It's not after the pandemic, no, and if not. you. For example, if you look at the emergency um, wards in pediatric hospitals, you'll see there's an overwhelming number of young children with respiratory diseases, uh, including COVID, um, RSV and, mm -hmm. and flu. Yeah. Um, and that's because it isn't over and because the government in another branch of government has decided, well, we're just going to bypass safety. The question I have is um, do they care about children? You know, it's it's all very well to keep them in school. And I think children do need to go to school. I have no no doubt about that. But, you know, sh shouldn't they also be guaranteed a, at least a, a minimal degree of safety mm. while they're in school and health and safety? So we're so. talking about mass mandates possibly coming back. We're talking because mm -hmm. Karen Moore says in Ontario, oh, this is going to probably have to happen. But probably as if, well, what do you mean? That's like telling yeah. us probably we're going to get snow at some point this, this winter, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. We know it's getting worse. We have the numbers. We see what's going on. We are coping the way we can. I guess what I'm wondering is then, so if we're ordering people back, if we're looking like, okay, I want to make sure these kids are in school, what is the government's position? My view is when we took away mask mandate and all the stuff that, that came with it, that was so business could start back up because it was the the province was in such a way... Are we looking at if we're doing this now, sending these kids back to school, and if the reason isn't protecting the children, is it commerce progress of, of the province? I, I don't it know. It worries me a lot, Kelly. I, I, I can't answer that because I suspect there are many different motives, you know, that different people will will claim, um, you know, and of course, the, the, the provincial government says it's, you know, it's for the good of the children. I believe that's short-sighted. I don't think that that they're actually thinking that through. I think we're at a a, a stage 
where families are really going to have to say, what is best for my family? You know, how, how can I best avoid the dangers that I know are present, um, you know, is on, you know, it, it's like when you take a, a prescription medication, all medication has a, has some sorts of side effects. That's there right. are no, yep. right? So you have to say to yourself, okay, um, is this prescription going to on balance be better for my health and 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 improve my my current condition or are the side effects going to be something i can't live with mm-hmm. and i think mm-hmm. that that this is what we're looking at with regard to um you know how we're being uh you handled know, sort with of, this yeah the prime minister we have 30 seconds what Sorry. address that please yes he okay so disagreed the pro- yeah, well, the prime minister has come out to say that he really objects strongly to Ontario's using the notwithstanding clause here. Remember, we talked about Bill 21 Monday, yes. and we talked about how people uh, were being forced uh, to either quit their jobs or their religion if they wanted to stay in the public sector. And that's because Quebec used the notwithstanding clause, and the prime minister has been very quiet about that. Um should he have spoken out in both circumstances? I leave that to you. Uh, you you get to decide what you get to decide. I just have one thing that I would like to offer up to our listeners, and it's this. Please vote. Whatever your views are on these things, we had a very low turnout at the provincial election. Please vote. We'll step aside, ladies and gentlemen. That's our Cut for Time edition. Big thank you to Danielle McLaughlin and Brock. They put this together yesterday to have a conversation we couldn't get for it. That's to get to it. That's what Cut for Time's about. We'll wrap up the show and tell you what's ahead after this. Hi, I'm Jenny Bovard. Join me monthly for Low Vision Moments, where I speak with awesome guests about some of the amusing things that happen when you're blind or partially sighted. Watch on YouTube or download Low Vision Moments from your favorite podcast distributor.